coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, a Nintendo game so scary it had to be canceled. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including the reveal of a new Mega Man 11 Robot Master. And then on Thursday, come back, because we are going to be talking dance games with Rachel Chapman, uh, and that's super fun. Uh, But in the meantime, Mark, how are you? I am feeling great. And part of the reason why I'm feeling great is because we keep getting so many Switch friend requests. Oh my gosh. From listeners and it's so much fun. I love it. I was uh I was at Comic-Con this weekend. Um or this week, I guess. Uh and when I came back and turned my Switch on, I had like six friend requests waiting there for me. Yeah, keep it coming. Keep it I, I really love it. love it. I love it. Uh so as usual, our um friend codes will be in the episode description here. Um so grab those up, add us and we'll accept you right back. And have a good time sort of seeing what we're playing. I, li- I really like seeing what other people are playing. Yeah, me too. It's, it's really fun. It's also fun to see how much time people have put into different games. Yes, and be like, I don't know how anyone spent that much time playing uh, Snake Pass. <laughs> no one spent that much time playing Snake Pass. That's a lie. <laughs> Snake Pass is really our go-to, like... We're just gonna poke that yeah, game. I'm just tell it bites. <laughs> tell, and it it never will because that snake is friendly. What's the name? Rope. Noodle. Noodle. <laughs> Rope is a bad name for a snake. Um, you can also you know follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell, and the show is at Nincart Society. Uh, we're also on Facebook. The show is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. There. While you got your computer out, while you've got mm. your phone out, while you're like typing things into your computer Tip or your type, phone. Type, type, type. Yep. And you got to take the opportunity to do all these things while you're at your computer or on your phone because you don't know when that's going to happen again. Exactly. Because <laughs> you're a person about town. That's right. A man or a woman about town. But here's the thing. There's a couple things you don't want to miss out on. Yeah. While you have your phone out or your computer out or your tablet out or you're like uh, dictating things into Google. A dictaphone. Uh, right. <laughs> what, what are one of these things? What is? Give me one of these things. Oh, uh, you should yes. Qu- very soon send us your picks mm-hmm. or your not picks for the top eight Nintendo RPGs, nay, RPGs on Nintendo platforms That's of right. all time. We are seeking picks and anti-picks for the top eight RPGs on But you got to get platforms. that in fast because... Because this is happening next week, uh-huh. Mark. Uh, so, like, a week from when you're listening to this, it will be too late. Something, however, that seems like it'll go on forever, like the musical Cats, now and forever, is the Sonic Forces That's right. borrowing program. Uh, we recently learned that they're going to make a, a Cats movie, and all sorts of insane people are in it. Um, I forget all of them now. Who's in this cat's movie? Mark? I don't know. I don't know who you're talking about. There's, there's like some big celebrities, which I guess you would have to. Otherwise, why bother make, making cats? Why bother making cats? Look, if you want to make your own cat avatar in Sonic Forces and play as that character, boy, howdy, can you ever? 
um, and you can play it with my copy of Sonic Forces. And all you have to do to get a hold of it is send an e- send uh, an email with your physical mailing address to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Coincidentally, that's also where you can send your list of um, eight RPGs that you think we need to either remember to put on our list or that we absolutely should not put on that list. So far, I've only been getting suggestions of games that have to go on. I mean, we're a positive bunch. We are a positive bunch. We're good people. Um, but if anyone really wants to blackball, you know, the original Final Fantasy, like you're running out of time, you have to do it now or forever hold your peace. Mark, are you ready to get into what we've been playing this week? I am. Good. Got one word for you. Oh, yeah? Octopath Traveler. That sounds like two words. And if I say it fast enough. And if I I didn't know that Octopath was one word, I would say that sounds like three words. I've been playing Octopath Traveler. Yeah. Uh, How have you collected all of the characters? I have. I've collected all of the characters. Mm -hmm. Um, I did the second chapter for Therian. Who was your starting character? Who's my starting character. And I have totally reached the point... That you were talking about in our um, like imp- impressions episode that were released last Thursday, mm-hmm. where you're just kind of like wandering around. Yeah, you know, I'm not high enough level to do the second chapters for a lot of the other characters. Right. So now I'm just kind of like wandering going around. Desert. Have you encountered any of the? Because I was talking to my buddy Pete about the um, like the double classing or like getting the second. No, tops. I haven't. You haven't um, encountered one yet. No. So, but I was talking to somebody else about the game. Um, and they were saying, friend of the show, June. Oh, yes. And he was saying that, uh, he, like, found an item that enabled it in, like, one of those caves we were talking about. Haven't found that cave. Hmm. Well, I I would assume that there are eight different caves. Oh, potentially. Yeah, sure. Uh, Each with their own item that allows this double I'm loving it. Yeah, that makes total sense. Do-do-do-do-do. Uh, here's the thing. I full I'm sure that this is the kind of game where you could get a strategy guide or you like pick a walkthrough or whatever, but it feels so wide open that that feels like a uh, a dishonest way to to play this game. Yeah, and I don't want to look up anything. One of my um uh New Year's resolutions, gaming resolutions, yes. was to play games in a way that I haven't in the past. And so that's exactly what I want to do with this game where it's just like just gonna let this game happen to me. I, I think you know? it's it's too wide open to like try to impose some kind of order on it. Right. I'm not gonna like try to like min max my characters in the most optimal way possible. Right. You're never you're never gonna do it, Mark. Speaking of octo things, <laughs> uh, I played some a little bit of Splatoon too. Where did you hop weekend. in for the uh, Splatfest? I did. Yeah. I was on Team Octopus because I just wanted to play as like. You wanted to play an octoling. Uh huh. Uh, and how how was that for you? It was fun. Yeah, I realized that I like didn't even notice I was playing as an octoline until like uh, until uh, I remembered that that was one of the perks of doing so, and I was like, oh yeah, I guess they I are guess, a little bit different. I guess he does look a little different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if you're playing as like an octoline girl, there's more difference. Yeah, that their hair is like a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and that seemed like a fun uh, splat fest to uh, hop in on. I wish I would have been around but i was at comic-con where i uh, got another opportunity to play super smash brothers ultimate um this time only two fights though uh and you know it's i i don't really know what else to say about uh smash brothers except that it is 
super fun and all the characters um every character that i have played as just feels like a good version of um of those characters and the levels are all like fun and huge and beautiful and i just want this game to come out yeah i can't wait uh all right that's what we've been playing this last week but uh let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week So the big release for today is the Mega Man X Legacy Collections, Legacy Collection 1 and Legacy Collection 2. They're 20 bucks each on the eShop or 40 bucks in the uh, like retail version, which only includes the first game, and then you download the second one anyways. So wait a minute. If you were to buy them separately, it's $19.99 and $19.99. And if you buy them together, it's $39.99 and not $39.98. So it's more expensive to buy them together than to buy them separately. Mark, is this what you're telling me? That is what I'm telling you. <sighs> Capitalism, man. There is no ethical... Capcomatalism. Nope. <laughs> Go ahead. No, that was it. That's all. all right, that's all, all right, I had. All right, good. Uh, and then on Thursday, Banner Saga three is coming out. Um, is that are they? So, um, they recently announced that they are releasing a physical uh version of the Banner Saga whole trilogy. Uh huh. <clears throat> I assume that that's not happening at the same time. I believe that's true, but also the Banner Saga trilogy. It seems like it's going to be another legacy collection type situation where, uh, you will have to. The entire collection won't actually be on the game cart. You'll have to download at least part of it. Sure. So also like the uh, uh, Resident Evil um, Revelations Revelations collection. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And then on Friday, the uh, Go Vacation is coming out. What is Go Vacation? It's I think the easiest way to explain is it's like Bandai Namco's uh, Wii Sports Resort type game. Okay. I think this was released for Wii initially, and then this is like a remaster of it that's oh, coming out. Yeah, this was in a some sort of Nintendo promotional video or, or something like that, right? Yeah. Um, um this the hmm. game is uh remembered fondly by a lot of people. So I think that there is some excitement for Go Vacation. That's interesting. Um I you know, uh a couple weeks ago when um Sarah's parents were here, we were like looking for things to do with them and that did include games. You know, we uh did did some Labo. Um and I also, you know, threw one two switch into the machine for the first time in uh you know, since my parents played it uh, and came on the podcast to talk about it. Uh so like I, I think that there is still like a space for those kinds of games that you could show to your your parents. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, ten years on you know, the Wii looks very quaint. Yeah. But there's a reason why it was a phenomenon. Yeah. Because you could just, anyone could play it. Yeah. All right, cool. And any of those, uh, any of these games strike your fancy here, Mark? I'm a little bit tempted by one of the Mega Man X Legacy Collections. I don't know which one to necessarily get. But like we talked about last week, the reason I'm tempted is because there's an easy mode. And it's like, oh, I can, I'm not going to have to right. kill myself to experience these games. Uh, I think if there's one of them that I'm interested in, it would be the the first X Legacy Collection. Is that because those are the games you're most familiar with and yes. want to replay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and uh, I I know I had or a roommate of mine had um a uh, X an X collection for like PlayStation Two or something that I believe had X one through six, and I remember being confused and be just bewildered by the later Mega Man X games that they seemed so weird. And there was one of them that almost had like um, procedurally generated levels. And I was like, this is not what I think of as Mega Man. Um, and just the designs get a little bit more 
I don't know that it just it becomes less and less like the series that uh, I liked with the first one um, as as it goes on. So I think one through four is probably where where I get off the train. Um, I want to want to be excited about Banner Saga three, but I did not get very far in that first Banner Saga. And there's a whole second Banner Saga that you would need to get caught up on. That's right. So I'm not going to I'm not going to get it on that. All right, Mark, let's uh, get out of the new releases. And now it's time for a regular segment on our show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, we have decided that today we are going to talk about Back to the Future Part 3. I think it came up in like a peripheral sense in one of our episodes recently. I don't know why it's on my mind. Uh, well, Sarah and I recently watched Back to the Future Part 3 um, because she wanted to watch a Back to the Future movie, but was like, I don't want to watch the first one. I've seen the first one a bunch of times. Um, and really, like, two is sort of weird to watch in isolation. Um, it, I, I think it's the most, it's got like the most interesting stuff to say about time travel. Um, or, like, it is actually about traveling through time, uh, whereas both 3 and 1 are, like, you just put the characters in a different time period, and then their adventures are about that. 2 is fun in the beginning, yeah. Um, but it begets, it's quite, it becomes, like, quite the bummer in, like, the middle and by the end. Yeah, well, and, like, by the end, you're seeing so much stuff from the first one, which, like, as a sequel to a movie that came out a couple of years ago is is sort of fun, but if you're ever, like, trying to shotgun the series, like, that part of 2 is, like, I, I kind of just watched all these scenes. 3 was my favorite when I was little, and I feel like it's the Return of the Jedi type thing where the second entry is so dark yeah. that uh, the third one goes in, like, the opposite direction. Right. And so you it's very, like, that. kid-friendly. Yeah. yeah. It's very approachable. It's very fun. Um, I like 3 for a lot of reasons. Um. I mean, first of all, I, I think it's it's almost crazy that two and three were filmed like back to back, um, be, because they're so tonally different that they like had this whole like arc in mind or or not, and just like here we wrote one script, we wrote another script, and now let's just film them back to back, because uh, Back to the Future three does such like a purposeful job of um, not making Marty the main character and making Doc the main character. Um, that like and you know doc used to have like a love interest and like all these other things that like the the series seems to have not acknowledged up to that point um really just like shows that there's so much more to these characters in this world than uh than we would have imagined before yeah three really feels like they everybody knew it was going to be the last one yeah and everybody wanted it to be the last one and so everybody it was just like what ideas do you have Oh, it'd be fun to go to the Wild West. Yeah, like, sure. oh, what haven't we seen before? Yeah. You know, like that sort of thing. Um, okay. The one thing that I still, to this day, think is so stupid in the back, in all three Back to the Future movies uh-huh. is the running, like, uh, gag of, like, Marty can't be called chicken. It does strain credibility. It right? really wears thin. Yeah. Because uh, it's like, come on, man. You're like, you're trying not to mess up the space time continuum. Like, just take the insult and move on. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, and then in, in the Wild West, like, being called Yella, you know, like, that that does it for him. Come on, Marty. Just just get back to where you – this guy's got a gun. He's going to shoot you with a – like, I get it when it's a bully egging you on. Fine. This guy is a criminal, has a gun, has murdered people. Also, learn from the past. Please learn from you the past. You have two other movies of doing this. Like, show some growth. Yes. Be like, oh, this doesn't bother me anymore. I have moved past this. I've become wiser as I've become older, as I've experienced more things. And that is actually what happens by the end of Back to the Future – three like he sure he goes out with like a bulletproof vest so he did learn from doc at the end of the first one right um but like that he wins by not killing the bad guy or by not like facing him in a gunfight so i i think that three doesn't have like the best reputation yeah but of the sequels that have been filmed like back to back do we think that it's the most successful? Like, the other ones I'm thinking of were the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, two and three. Those were filmed simultaneously. Right. The Matrix movies were filmed simultaneously. Right. I guess the Lord of the Rings movies. All of them were all filmed of them simultaneously were filmed at the same time. time. Well, I mean, if, if we count the Lord of the Rings, I feel like Lord of the Rings is the most successful. Agreed. Because those movies are all good. Um Although, I guess these, I think these movies are all good. I think Back to the Futures are all good. Yeah, I think, like, these are good um, in the same way that the uh, Lord of the Rings movies are, where it's like, yeah, they're all good to varying degrees. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's one thing about Back to the Future 3 that I've been trying to wrap my head around. The ravine that Clara uh, Clara Clayton is supposed to... Oh, well. Well, I guess, I guess we'll I guess never we'll know. know. We will never know. We were accompanied today by pianist uh, Jürgen Dahmen. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. We talked about it a little bit earlier, um, but the Splatoon 2 Global Splatfest was this past weekend, celebrating the game's first anniversary. It was Squids versus Octopus. Squid won, but Octopus was by far the most popular team to be on. This is a this is a trend. Yeah, just continues to prove that if you want, if your goal is to win, be on the winning team of a Splatfest, choose the option you think is going to be least popular. I still. I'm still not 100% sure where they're, where any of these numbers come from, other than, like, the percentage of people who pick one side versus the other. Like, I don't know what the win percentages mean for solo versus team. I don't know what those percentages mean. So, I still don't entirely understand what the difference between solo and team play is. No, neither do I, especially in a Splatfest. Like, it all... it I'm... I, I would almost venture to guess that... uh it's all made up. <laughs> See, I don't agree with that. I'm willing to believe that to... it's true. I just don't under I just don't understand it. Sure, sure, sure. So you're just willing to believe whatever anyone tells you. Absolutely. The, the authority says, here's what the numbers say, and you just blindly march along and agree with them. Uh yeah, okay. <laughs> uh South Park the Stick of Truth is coming to Switch by September. So it's just gonna be released digitally. Okay. The Stick of Truth is of course the first game in those like South Park RPGs. Uh, the second game, The Fractured Butthole, mm-hmm. came out earlier this year. Yes. Um, weird that this game is coming out now. Sure. So, I mean, one one reason that the, it, I guess, I mean, yes, it is weird that it's coming out now. But one thing to note is that uh, the Stick of Truth was uh, not a current generation game. It was originally on PS3 and Xbox 360. So, um, it was only... They only uh, re-released it on current generation hardware um, as a like pre-order bonus for the Fractured Butthole. 
And obviously that game came to Switch after it came to all those other places. So I see where like the window to put it out on Switch was missed. Um, but yeah, putting it out now seems like oh, oh, what, what and why. But I guess like doing it digitally, like digital only, yeah, uh, reduces the risk because it's just like, yeah, you know, after the work has been done, we'll just put it up there and people will people buy, it, buy or it or they won't. I mean, it must mean that uh, Fractured But Whole was uh, successful for them on Switch, right? Yes, that or the timing between the two was so like close that mm. the momentum was already going and it's yeah. just like okay like we might as well release it at this point i'm sure it did fine you know yeah. like i believe that the south park game did fine you played the fractured butthole mm-hmm. um are you inter- and enjoyed it so are you interested in picking up stick of truth have I you played it previously i had not no okay. um but yeah i i am interested in picking up the uh stick of truth um i liked fractured uh butthole a lot uh even though like it gets sort of overly long by the end and everything I've read about the stick of truth is that it is a, a very tight experience. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pick that up for sure. Last week, Nintendo added some breath of the wild content to Mario Kart eight deluxe. Uh, it wasn't like new tracks or carts or anything. Link will has his blue breath of the wild tunic mm-hmm. as an option. I'm guessing. And the yeah, you can switch between. It's like the same as uh, picking the villager and then selecting. Oh, its, sure. It's gender. And the Master Cycle Zero is uh, a new bike, kind of. He already had a motorcycle, but now it just has a different right. skin. Now it looks like the Master Cycle Zero, which you know, like cool. But the Master Cycle Zero is something that you have to like have played that game for 120 hours. Well, whatever, and to bought ever see. like uh, <laughs> DLC. Yeah, so it seems like kind of a deep cut for them to put in there. Mark, what's going on? I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't, like, the timing of this seems really weird. It just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Apropos of nothing. Yeah. Like, it's not like it was the anniversary of Breath of the Wild. No. Or Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. No, it just came out. Like, and, and no fanfare about it either. Like, it just, like, last week on Thursday or something, there's like, here you go. And look, I am all about new content for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Absolutely. Like, I would love if they turned it into a platform rather than just, like, a one-and-done game. Yes. Like, if they kept releasing new... I guess I don't really care about new carts. It's really, like, new tracks or new characters. Like, that would be super, like, fun and interesting. And I would keep paying for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they did a new uh, circuit, like, every year, every six months, I would buy it every single time until they stopped doing it. Yeah, I... I would actually almost, like, prefer they do that yeah. instead of come out with, like, a Mario Kart 9 this generation. Yeah. I mean, it. yeah, it it is hard because, like, you know, a, a new... I don't know. Maybe we've just reached a point where, like, a new Mario Kart game isn't really necessary. We just need to continue to build on the foundation that's there. Well, and I think, like, after when, like, the Super Switch comes out or whatever... <laughs> um, sure, we won't explain what we mean by that. <laughs> It's the natural progression of things from right. Nintendo to Super Nintendo. I mean, from it, Switch to Super Switch. It'll be new Switch, is what it'll be, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, new Switch 2D XL. New, new Switch U is what it'll be called. Uh. <laughs> yeah. When there's, you know, like whatever the next generation of console is, it makes sense to have a Mario Kart Nine at that point. Yeah. Um. But, and look, I'm sure Mario Kart 8 Deluxe will continue to sell great through the Switch's entire life. 
But yeah, I would love if I would pay twenty bucks for two new circuits. I'd yeah. pay ten bucks for one new circuit for sure. Uh, there's also Breath of the Wild content coming to Monster Hunter Generations Ultimate when it releases this August. So it's the same stuff that was previously available in Japan, but we didn't get that. So it's new to us, right? It's a special like link tunic for your hunter, uh, a special weapon. It's a bow, and then an outfit for your cat monster thing sure the they're called like meows Paw. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know but we both tried um, and that's good enough for me and for me is it do you think it is at all weird that we are getting all of these uh like little um add-on things for games where you can put characters in like link's blue tunic from breath of the wild like th- that was an option in, in uh skyrim um, and I know there are others that are just not coming to me right now. Um, but like the blue has is like slowly supplanting the like iconic green tunic. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even in Breath of the Wild itself, you can get that kind of like classic green tunic, and when you get it, you're like, oh, this is cool, and immediately are right. putting on something more fun. Well, it's something that's gonna give you a buff in in some dimension or something you've been leveling up. Yeah, uh, yeah. It just it's it's weird. I wonder if we're going to. I wonder what the next Zelda game, what Link looks like. I wonder what he's wearing. Bandai Namco has announced Digimon Survive coming to Switch and PS4 next year in Japan. It's the first time in a few years that a Digimon game is coming to a Nintendo platform. Um, Digimon also seems crazy i did not realize what kind of i did not realize digimon games could be like this it's a survival rpg that combines 2d and 3d gameplay so there's like 2d point and click style like battle investigations and then the battles themselves Battle investigation. Battlefield investigation. Again, again, you were just gonna blow right past that without explaining. I can't yourself. explain it. How could I possibly explain what that means? It means uh, like I don't know. I yeah, wish sure, I knew. Sure, sure. And then strategy style battles. So like has like the grid. I'm thinking like Fire Emblem. I don't know. Sure, Digimon is a mystery to me. I thought it was like Pokemon. It is apparently not like Pokemon. It sounds like it is everything to everyone. Yeah, it's like Phoenix or not. Uh, yeah, sure. Phoenix Wright crossed with Fire Emblem, crossed with Pokemon. Somebody explain Digimon to me. Somebody explain what Digimon is now to me. Because I feel like I knew what it once was. Well, you assume that it was like Pokemon. It had to have been. You can write into us, Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. And succinctly, please explain what Digimon is. Yeah, and I'm Mark, genuinely curious. Mark, I don't want you to look it up. I won't. Next time. You Great. know I won't. I know. I'm too lazy. Right. Right. Uh, last week, Epic released Unreal Engine 4.2. It promises significant improvements for Switch development, including, quote, tons of performance improvements built for Fortnite on Nintendo Switch that are now available for all developers. Uh, well, Good for Fortnite, I guess, leading the way in... Uh, Makes sense. It's an yeah. epic developed title. Yeah, but it's it's just funny that like it takes something that successful and that big for uh, you know uh, for Epic to work on the engine a little bit and be like, oh yeah, and uh, everyone can use these tools, by the way. Um, Epic's been really cool about uh, a lot of their like developer tools lately. Um, it's just interesting to see a company that's actually... Um, and maybe they all are. I don't know. 
Uh, I'm I'm assuming that people are more greedy than. Well, than I feel that. like it's different when most of the other like big engines, outside of like Unity, but like the that the big developers are using are internal, you know, um, tools that have been developed. Sure. You know, it's I I don't think Frostbite is available for anybody to license. Right. It's just for EA. Um, and so I feel like that's kind of the difference where I'm sure Frostbite's being uh, enhanced all the time. Yeah, we but just, we, we don't hear about it because about it, right? the greater gaming community isn't the beneficiary of that. Right. At San Diego Comic Con, Capcom revealed Torchman, a new villain, uh, robot master coming to Mega Man 11. I love this. I love that they're like rolling these things out like it's a new Smash Brothers mm-hmm. game, and like every new boss, every new level is like an event. Um, that's so cool to me. It's not a fighting game, but they're selling it like it is. Uh, as part of the reveal, part of the press release, they kind of did like a rundown of what you can expect in the stage. And I won't quote it here, but it sounds intense. Oh, yeah. Um, and also defeating Torchman grants the Blazing Torch ability. Uh, the ability diagonally fires a ball of fire. Sounds great. Sounds great. Uh, Shaq News recently did an interview with Bethesda's Pete Hines and took the opportunity to ask him about Bethesda's Switch support. Uh, Bethesda has been one of the bigger third-party developers on Switch, releasing games like Doom and Skyrim and recently Wolfenstein 2. Mm-hmm. Basically, says that Bethesda wants to continue supporting Switch with, quote, whatever we're making that will run and run well, end quote. Hmm. Does that sound like a, like, like a, a, a real commitment to you or like whatever will run and run well? Well, it seems like, I guess we don't really know how Wolfenstein is done, but it seems like the other games have... Uh, done well, yeah, or, or well within enough, expectations. Yeah. So you know, if they're able to give it to a company like Panic Button, and Panic Button is able to turn out a quality port like they have been doing, um, and they turn it turns a profit, yeah. you know, like why not? Especially since Bethesda is one of the few developers that has um been very vocal about their commitment to single player games. Yeah, and. You know, so they, I'm sure they're looking for, they're always looking for new avenues of like sales for those types of games. Yeah. And they don't necessarily require all of the online accoutrements that, you know, right. Uh, a that game is, on is, the Xbox or like PS4 right. might require. And, the, and that like a Switch is going to maybe struggle to deliver on because that online infrastructure isn't quite there. Um, which, yeah, I mean, like you, we can guess that we're not going to see Fallout 76, for example um on on switch but like maybe they bring a different fallout game there yeah and you know like i don't know that we'll i wouldn't expect to see to see starlink or um or uh, elder Elder scroll Scroll 6 you know because those are probably being built with big ambitions but you never know well and elder scroll 6 isn't going to be out until like 2024 (laughs) anyway so (laughs) because starlink is gonna it comes out first and that's that's also a ways away so yeah, we don't we don't know anything about anything at this yeah. point. Uh maybe we'll see it on Super Switch. We'll see it on new Super Switch U. According to PC Gamer, a uh, two ROM hosting website, Love ROMs and Love Retro, have been named in a recent lawsuit by Nintendo. The filing alleges uh the Love ROMs website alone received seventeen million visitors each month. Such visitors are drawn to the website by the widespread availability. I'm reading from uh court filing that this point mm-hmm. uh availability of free unauthorized copies of nintendo's video games and other highly valuable intellectual property the resulting popularity of defendants 
Love Roms and Love Retro website has allowed defendants to reap substantial ill-gotten gains, including through donations and the sale of advertising on the Love Roms and Love Retro websites. So Nintendo is coming for pirates. Well, I mean, so yes. Okay. But like I feel like there's a little bit of a I don't know, like old games are such a weird area where it's like are you still selling this in a marketplace where i can buy it and you know in a lot of instances maybe you are like you know super mario brothers 3 is super available you can go out and buy that um legitimately super available brothers 3 but you know uh there uh, yeah i don't know i guess i don't know the specifics um if you are if you're a website that's hosting ROMs of games that Nintendo is actively, you know, um putting out there on their own platforms at a price, then yeah. That's not like that is not a gray area to me. That is like you should be buying those. Right. But I mean it's also like I could see there are so many games that are available now, like on the uh Wii U eShop and nowhere else. And like I could also understand someone being like, oh, I don't own a Wii U and I'm never like I, I sort of I get like the kind of twist of the morality about it. Um, but like obviously legally totally within their rights to be like, hey, uh stop hosting our stuff. Do you think uh any of this um portends a uh like um virtual console? I don't. I think Nintendo is generally very aggressive about protecting their IP. Yeah. And here's the thing, I think that if these sites like weren't uh didn't have advertising or weren't you know like if they were just hosting the rom of um some like terrible nintendo first party nes game yeah i i think it would be less of an issue yeah just that that they're making money from it seems like and is sort of a slap in the face but like i, I don't know but the, the the whole thing is is very very messy for me because like I I do I I don't steal uh like anything online um I, you know I don't I don't steal music I pay for my comics online um movies everything I don't torrent anything um and it's been a really long time since I've uh, downloaded like a ROM or an emulator or anything like probably since college um but like in college it was nice to have access to those things. Uh, and I think it was just, like, the novelty of it at the time of, like, my computer can have all these Nintendo games, and it cost me nothing. Um, whereas now, you know, I can just get a NES Classic, and it's got 30 Nintendo games, and maybe that's good enough. I don't know. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting that they're, that they're going so hard um, uh, against these things, and, uh, you know, like, why, why now, and why not, you know, 10 years ago when I was doing it? So Nintendo is seeking $150,000 for each game hosted plus $2 million for each IP infringement. Uh, what do you think counts as an IP infringement? Just using the word Mario? <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. Uh, basically, the sites are effectively shut down until further notice. Makes sense Which to me. I think was probably the goal of the uh, lawsuit in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, do you remember that Dylan's Dead Heat Breakers was released just a few short weeks ago? Uh, if you recall, I played a bunch of that game and talked about it on this show. Uh, so, yes, I have forgotten. <laughs> In an interview with Kotaku, Nintendo producer Kensuke Tanabe expressed his desire for more people to play the game 
and, you know, basically even know that it exists. <laughs> he says, quote, I really only know what people are saying online. What I see personally is that many people are not aware this game has been released, and I want more people to play the game, end quote. Okay, I mean, this plays into exactly what we were saying about it, though, right? That, right. Like, there was a first-party Nintendo game that came out a couple of months ago, and no one was talking about it. I didn't see reviews for it. I didn't see tweets about it. No one said or did anything about it. Uh, okay, so he continues saying, I bet the players who like Dylan and the setting are actually pretty secretive about it. <laughs> uh, oh. Which I like in general because it are Dylan fans like... Sh- have they been shamed into silence? I, I mean, possibly. it's not a popular IP. I mean, Dylan does have a lot sort of in common. I think I mentioned this at the time that it feels a little uh, like Sonic the Hedgehog y. Um, so maybe, maybe we just did a successful oh, job. Oh, yeah, because like Sonic fans, fans are real quiet. No, but I'm saying oh, that we, I see. we succeeded yes. with Dylan fans, yes. but we did not succeed with Sonic fans. I understand. If you would like to borrow my copy of Sonic Mania, please send your address Forces. to Nintendo Card. Yeah, sorry. What did I say? Mania? Mania. You may not have my copy of Sonic Mania, it's digital. Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. Uh, he also goes on to say, it's not like a popular restaurant, so there won't suddenly be a sudden crowd <laughs> or a long wait time or anything. So to any new players who have an interest now after reading this article, please give it a, game, a try. You won't regret it. That's a sad state of affairs. It is a little bit, right? Um, do Did you enjoy the game enough to recommend it? I remember it was super chatty. Uh, it's all coming back to me now. Yes, it is too chatty. Um, and the more that I played of it, it just continued to be chatty. I think the gameplay of it is super fun. And when it is being like a mix between like Mario Kart and Fire Emblem and like kind of Zelda combat, that's great. That stuff's super fun. Um, and the world is interesting, but man, do these characters chat at each other for a long time. And they all have those voices. I was like, that that. Um, but they're cute. So I don't know. Soft recommend. And finally, and perhaps most importantly, maybe the most important news item we've ever talked about on this show. Sure. I mean, we led the show with it. So, uh, in the same interview, Tanabe revealed that eight years ago, Nintendo and the company Vanpool, who are the developers of the Dylan games, uh, were not, not a spinoff Deadpool character. That's right. Who drives a van. Uh, the two companies were developing a horror game starring Tingle. Tingle from Zelda. Uh-huh. Okay. I know Tingle's had a couple games. Yes. In, in Japan. Right. They never make their way over to the No. States. I don't understand why. I think we I think we would love it. You you think we you think we would love it. I think we would love a Tingle game. Now, do you think it would just like Nintendo Super fans that would love it or like there's an actual market for these things. I think you make Tingle a mobile game character. Oh yeah, like it's like one of those like um, uh, uh like um, Candy Crush um, type like a games. Match three yeah, 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 like a Bejeweled. Mm-hmm. Um, and you would love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, you would love I it. I would love it. No, I think I would play any of these Tingle games. Uh, his like Ruby Quest or whatever it is. I would play that if, yeah. it were, if it were here in the States. No, they were developing a horror game, but they canceled it probably because it was too scary. And that's, that's our working theory right now is that the game was too scary. Your protagonist is Tingle. So already, you know, you're at an elevated state. You're feeling a lot. Uh, adrenaline is running high. 
and then you know like a ghost jumps out or something. What do you think what do you think this game was? I can't even imagine. Like what were Do the you think enemies? it was intentionally scary or do you think like they were developing a tingle game and then they just like all got bad feelings about it like they had just seen <laughs> the exorcist or something? Maybe that's it. And then uh, Tingle's head spun around and he vomited uh, like pea soup. So they like, you know, took it somewhere in the woods of Kyoto and just like buried uh, any like development machine they were using. That's right. So our goal for you listeners is to find this unmarked (laughs) grave in the forests of Kyoto and unearth it. So that we can, uh, re- we don't bear- want to release that no, into the world. <laughs> we do. We want to bring it back like pet cemetery style, right? So that this game can be reintroduced. An evil version of this probably already evil game <laughs> can be reintroduced into the wild. I want to see evil tingle. Oh, Patrick, why would you meddle with forces we don't understand? I just look. I meddled first with Sonic forces that I didn't understand. Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com. And now I just want to see Tingle, and then I'll buy this game and lend it out to people, and the cycle of horror continues. Insert quote from Dark Knight here. (laughs) All right, Mark, let's move out of the news. That is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff on Apple Podcasts. If you like this episode, it would help us out a lot if you would share it on whatever social media platform you use. On Twitter, I am at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. The show collectively is at Nincart Society. And remember, you only have one week to get in your top eight Six RPGs. days. Six days, some would say. And who knows? We might end up recording on like Sunday or something. So like... Tell us now your top eight RPGs on Nintendo platforms, Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Um, if you like Mark and Mind's opinions, we do write about comic books on retconpunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is pro- provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Eller saying beware the tingle. And thanks for listening. Campfire.